0: And welcome to Breaking Out of Breaking In, a practical filmmaking podcast about taking your creative career into your own hands and making great work that get seen without playing the Hollywood game.
1: Or at least while changing the rules. Hey, I'm Bree Castellini, your other co-host, and today we are breaking down season three of our podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We're also giving a quick state of the union for the industry right now. Uh, spoiler alert. Going bad bad state <laughs> of this union uh, and also later this episode we will be interviewing our lovely season one and two editor Ezra Lee but before we dive in don't forget we always release bonus content for every episode of this podcast over on patreon.com slash breaking out pod so if you want to support us and the podcast and get yourself even more information and resources definitely head over there uh, you can subscribe for as little as one dollar a month or as little as three if you want to start getting access to our archive uh, but uh, with Without further ado, Happy New Year, Christina. Happy New Year. So uh, so we're, we figured we'd start the podcast this season uh, with just some like updates and kind of just level setting for the podcast, for the industry, for ourselves. Um, so in terms of changes, structural changes to the podcast that will affect you, our lovely, lovely listeners, uh, the first thing is that at least for the foreseeable future, uh, season three is going to be monthly rather than biweekly. So we will be releasing one episode a month, unless something amazing happens and we decide we want to start regularly updating more often. Um, but just because of a lot of stuff going on, uh, it seemed like it made the most sense to focus a lot on fewer episodes this season. Yeah. We uh, are also going to try out a new thing uh, where we have segments. Apparently segments are really popular in podcasting. And (laughs) um, I don't know, maybe maybe we'll put the segments on TikTok. Maybe we'll have to do TikTok, but having segments will make it easier to... (laughs) to do so. (laughs) So the two segments that uh, we pitch to our patrons uh, and seem to resonate the most are um, a segment called buds, which are upcoming things that we're excited about. Sometimes they will be related to media and uh, our careers. Sometimes they'll just be things that we're looking forward to in general. Uh, And then we are also going to be doing a drama alert segment. Now that we're doing fewer episodes, it means that we're probably going to be recording closer to when the episodes actually come out which means that we can be slightly more topical. So instead of waiting to th- for the end of the year to talk about screenwriting Twitter drama or, I don't know, screenwriting Mastodon drama now, screenwriting <laughs> Hive social drama, screenwriting post.news drama, uh, we will be reporting on it as it happens, relatively speaking. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I I haven't noticed any new drama recently. And Christina, I know you're off social media more than I am these days. Are Are you aware of
0: any drama alert that we can give people? Yeah, I keep sort of disabling my Twitter and then coming back before it deletes. Uh, that's sort of the pattern that I'm in currently. Sure. But I did notice that people were doing like satire of a tweet going around asking if AI art is art, and then someone tweeted, "Is TV writing art?" And then it like went viral, and a lot of people took it seriously. And, oh God. Of and so there was, like, some discourse, but I didn't pay too much attention to Why what. Didn't see that. I'll have to find it. It was yeah. like a week ago. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Yeah, the only thing I've seen going around is not necessarily screenwriting Twitter drama, but is something that we'll probably talk about in a bit. Just about like the recent everything fuckery going on, where people like canceling shows after they've been shot mm-hmm. but before they air. Um, mm-hmm. You know, canceling shows after one season, and there's been a lot of like prominent showrunners doing threads about like this is why it's more important than just like well you got paid didn't you? You know, like there's there's a lot of other things to consider. So that's what's been kind of like in the ether and discussion, but that's not drama. That's something that everyone pretty much agrees on is bad. And then just like people who are outside of the industry being like, why are you whining Hollywood elites? Which is of yeah. course, a, <laughs> a really productive discourse strategy. Um, but for our bud section of this first episode of the season, Christina, do you have any buds?
0: Um, yeah, I don't have any career or media related buds that come to mind. It's, it's too early and it's been a weird start to the year for me. I mean, I, like, it broke my toe 15 minutes ago, so, like, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's a weird
1: start. Yeah, if, if, you, if you're noticing something different about this recording session, it's because Christina is in excruciating pain.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, friends of the pod, Kelsey and Danny, had a baby named River in November, on November 1st, and I have seen them since he was born, but they're coming to... To my house next weekend um, with Kelsey's mom, who's visiting from Switzerland. And in in the uh, twelve years that I've known Kelsey, I've never actually met her mom. So oh, wow. I'm looking forward to that.
1: That's yeah, awesome. <laughs> That's a lovely bud.
0: Yeah, my my, my yeah. bud is.
1: Uh, it, my birthday's coming up um, January 31st. Uh, send me money or Patreon subscriptions. And um, my inspired actually by Christina and her husband, um, my husband and I are no longer giving each other birthday gifts in the traditional sense because our birthdays are so close to Christmas. And also we've been together so long. We don't need to be getting each other gifts that often. <laughs> not, <laughs> not in that. It, that's not productive. So what we started doing is doing trips and experiences. So um, last year for his birthday, we went to San Diego um, and so for my birthday, we are going to Joshua Tree, not only to use our new National Parks Pass, but also uh, as like a little mini writer's retreat. And who knows, maybe on that trip, I will also make start start making progress on Christina and I's co-written feature script that we're working on. Yes. <laughs> <We> should- <laughs> oh, yes. That's a bud. Right. Yeah.
0: Except that we're like we did an outline and then both failed to actually start writing. <laughs> well we finished our
1: outline at the very end of last year right before like I was going home for Christmas um, and you know there,
0: there's been other yeah. stuff
1: but we have an outline and we can start writing whenever we want.
0: That's right yeah so I'm excited about that.
1: I'm definitely excited about that and, and who knows maybe maybe we'll have some cool stuff to, uh, to let you guys know about later on. Um, so then just in terms of like general... <laughs> industry state of the union stuff i just wrote down a handful of things that have been on my mind as a person ostensibly interested in having a career in hollywood etc um there might be an impending writer's strike which makes Mm -hmm. it hard to feel positive about entering the industry at this point i don't know i guess i could be a scab maybe that's how i'll get my first job <laughs> That's a joke. Not go unions, absolutely don't be a scab. But um yeah, things are tense for some of the reasons that we already kind of talked about the like shows that are getting canceled after they've already shot movies getting canceled after they've already been shot just for like tax write-off purposes shows not getting um, renewed even with like really positive reviews after the first season Ezra actually in our our upcoming interview with him at the end of this uh, talks about um, the show 1899 which apparently was very good but got canceled after one season and that's just like more and more common not only are TV seasons getting shorter and the writer's room getting smaller, but also they have f- less longevity than ever before. And so it's like, what are we doing, guys? What's the point? Uh-huh. Why, are, why are these executives in media? Like, there have to be other industries that they could be doing puckery in, that like could make them more money because like if if they are exclusively motivated by profits there has got to be a better way for them to do this than fucking around with entertainment you know what i mean it's like why are you doing this to this industry go away go do something else yeah yeah <laughs> um that being said uh the the one bright spot i guess a bud for me uh is that uh the show Minks, which i really enjoyed i think it had some Things that I would change, but I'm curious to see where they're going with it. Minks got canceled by HBO Max after they had already shot either most or all of season two, but uh, it recently got picked up by Stars. So Stars is, has saved Minks at least for the foreseeable future, which is positive, but obviously not every show can get that. And I, you know, I don't know. Feels like a weird time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad, though, because I wanted to watch it after you liked it so much, and I was pissed off that it was nowhere to be found. So I know.
1: Did it get taken off HBO Max already?
0: It did, yeah. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I tried to watch it last week because I had hit a wall of, like, I had just nothing to watch. I had watched everything there was to watch <laughs> possible, um, and was just really annoyed that I couldn't find it anywhere and I was like searching Reddit to see if there was anyone who had any sort of access that didn't involve HBO Max and no nothing so
1: yeah it's it's such a shame because like HBO Max had one of the best streaming libraries for a little while like for like a tiny blip of time there was so much good stuff on HBO Max and then they Mm -hmm. just jettisoned it for profit I uh, like I know they don't care about art but like Do they not even care about money like that's the thing is that so many of these decisions that these executives are making are patently like not the way you make money in media like it's so short sighted that I'm like is there some kind of conspiracy happening what the fuck is going on.
0: I don't know. It uh, doesn't make sense.
1: Speaking of conspiracies, Twitter's falling apart, and I'm still depressed about it. I don't know if we <laughs> talked about this on uh, like the main feed or just in Patreon, but we definitely did talk about it like right after Musk took over Twitter, and it's still going bad. And like most of the people that I actually liked on Twitter have left but haven't really found purchase at any of the other various social media platforms that I am also on against my will, but like nobody's on there. Like the benefit of Twitter was that everyone was there, even like yeah. from disparate sort of like communities, like my digital media journalists were there. They largely still are on Twitter, um, but many of them have left. Uh, the T writers were on Twitter, like authors that I followed were on Twitter. My friends were on Twitter and now like, all of those people have splintered and there doesn't seem to be a landing place that is convenient anymore and like i am too old to have 18 different social media platforms open at any given time to stay connected with all of my various communities
0: yeah i'm too old yeah i've <laughs> yeah i mean i've i Loved Twitter when I was using it at like peak crowdfunding and building an audience. Sure. But now I just like don't find, even even before everything, you know, I, I was just, even before, even before 2020, I would say, I wasn't using it quite as much as I once was mm-hmm. um, because I was kind of trying to like value in-person relationships. And then of course the pandemic ruined that. Um, but I just have no energy for Twitter now. It's just exhausting because like it was already exhausting, but now it's exhausting in all these new ways. And mm-hmm. and yeah, so many people have left that I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I, it's not worth going back to, to be honest. It's not. It's but it's like. I don't want it. It's so important beyond us, like beyond artists connecting. It's so important for information spreading. Like at the end of the day, it it was really key to social justice movements Mm -hmm. that took root over the past really like five years. And I think that it's very intentional, you know, Elon Musk buying it and trying to then like stifle (laughs) things like that. Um, so, So on one hand, I'm like, I want it, to continue because I don't know what could possibly take its place and accomplish that where, like, everyone will adopt it the way that they did. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's just – but on the other hand, it's like, I just don't want to be there. It's so toxic that, like, it doesn't even feel, like, worth saving. So No,
1: for sure isn't at this point. And I say this as someone who, like, was Twitter's number one bitch for a really, really long time. Like, <laughs> the thing that I'm mourning more than anything is a prominent text-based social media platform. Because, like, the reason, sure, yeah. like, you know, I famously hate my phone. So that obviously impacts my interest in apps like Instagram and in Hive Social, which is exclusively app-based right now at the very least. Um, and, but like, also there's so much more effort you have to put into any other kind of social media that requires a video or, like on TikTok mm-hmm. or, um, you know, uh, an image like on Instagram. Like I don't want to have to always be making Canva graphics. Like I like Canva, totally, a lot, yeah. but I'm a writer and I liked the ability to be able to post without having to put on any artifice and without having to like do other like I just want to talk to people yeah and share and
0: share like links to blogs and stuff yeah it's yeah I, I agree with that I'm in this weird space where I'm kind of like wanting to just be a hermit like I'm trying to get my film made on a larger scale than it's ever been made before but I'm also trying to like disappear from existence yeah so it's this like weird mixture like I deleted my Facebook at the start of the year um which is, I feel really good about. And I felt, and like Twitter, I'm keeping, like I said, I keep disabling and then coming back because I don't want it to be a situation where they don't want to give me money to make my movie because they're like, no one knows who she is. Because I, I I had over 4,000 followers and so many people have left, but I still have like 3,800. And so I want to be like, people do know who I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, if I need to prove this, I have this. But, um, but yeah, and even on Instagram, I... I'm, I don't know, like, I'm just sort of pulling away from social media, but it is so, uh, when I kind of get out of this weird space that I'm in, I imagine I'm going to want to be able to, like, access an audience again, you know, and, like, make, reach new people and make new connections. and, And with the pandemic and with all of the other things, it's sort of online still is the place for that. Um, And now that you live so much
1: further away from like a centralized hub.
0: Right. So, you know, I've got my newsletter and I think that that's really what artists should be doing as much as possible right now is just getting emails because who the hell knows, you know, like these platforms could be taken down at any moment. And if that's your only access to people, then you're starting from scratch. And so, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'll, but
1: having having direct access to people rather than relying on it, because like when I thought I was doing a good job of that, and then as Twitter started to like break down, I was realizing, oh fuck, I actually don't know how to contact like half of the people that I know on here who have become really important to me. That's not good.
0: Uh mm-hmm. huh. Yeah. So you know, it's a weird space. A weird weirdness starting this year. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I I mean even Hollywood is breaking out of breaking in at this point like what is right. like, what is in anymore <laughs> you know I it just I, I was talking to somebody the other day um, I don't think it was you Christina but it was somebody where I was talking we were talking about how like we feel like we were two to three years late on having like really solid careers or solid as a career in entertainment can be like I was two or three years late to making a web series back when web series were really popular I was at like the tail end of that mm. sort of web series industrial complex where like people were getting deals and like making a bunch of connections that way um and I was like two to three years late moving to LA and capitalizing on stuff uh and like meeting people here and maybe making one or two projects in LA versus having all of my production work based in New York before moving here um and there I was like a couple of years too late for like a couple of the shows that I think I would have been perfect on you know so I just I feel like Mm -hmm. I'm just two to three years late and it's a really frustrating position to be in. And uh, and you and I talked earlier, Christina, because you, you sent me um, a, a tweet that was like calling people who want to be writer's assistants. And I was like, yeah, I know at the beginning of this podcast, I was like, yeah, I'd be open to being a, a writer's assistant. And now I'm like, nope, I don't think I'm there anymore. I might be. I mean, if a really cool opportunity comes along, I'm not going to snub my nose at it. But like other life circumstances have led to me kind of needing to have the regular income and like remote job access that my current position Uh allows me and that a writer's assistant would not you know I I have other priorities now and because it's such a volatile time to be in the industry at all let alone at like the entry level it just seems like truly the worst time ever (laughs) to take on one of those jobs worse than even before and I'm 31 years old or I'm about to be 31 years old I don't think I have it in me at the moment to take that big of a risk yeah you know and that feels like a weird thing to admit this far into the podcast and maybe is not as hopeful as I would like to start the year as but <laughs> I don't know my books are going well so that's something
0: yeah it's tough I feel like it's sort of when you think about when I think about how hard the world is right now and thinking about like, oh, if only I had been born during this period. But there's really no period that I can pinpoint where I'm like, oh, I wish I lived then as like as a woman, as a woman of color, as someone who didn't have didn't grow up with money. Like, there's no point where I was like, oh, things were better then like they were for white men. (laughs) Um, So like in so many ways, the world is a better place to be living in right now. But it's also just exhausting and awful and still awful in all the various injustices Um, in a more public way so you're like hit with it constantly even though in theory it's actually getting better even though it's still so awful Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel the industry is the same way where it's like I'm nostalgic for a, a point of being a director where you got to really just like break in and make movies and not have to be a brand and not have to like hustle the way that we have to hustle and that there was like an actual path in some ways but then I'm like but no not really for me like there I I never would have actually had a chance in that old system and things are so much better now for women for people of color for women of color even though they're still so fucking awful (laughs) I'm like the numbers are so awful Mm -hmm. um but it's still so much better than it ever was but it's still so hard and impossible and so it's like this weird kind of like we're moving forward but it doesn't feel like anything's really changing um and I'm wishing for the way things used to be but if they existed with the progress sure. that we have now and like the, that does that reality doesn't exist I, I do get the feeling a couple of years because mm-hmm. yeah, I'm not saying also, like oh yeah
1: I would have really killed it in the 1950s <laughs>
0: But like- no no totally but like even just thinking about because I you know I made a web series in 2013 and I feel like I was pretty early and we got a lot of attention you know, we were on we got an IndieWire critics pick, and that was like and real indies very rarely even get recognized by IndieWire, you know. And we were on BuzzFeed and whatever. Yes, Broad City was two years before that, but I think like most of the web series that really took off and turned into something, if you look at the class sure. of those of those creators. There's usually something there, like there's usually some sort of connection there that they have that if you were just making like the same series that you made, but a couple years earlier, it still probably wouldn't have gotten the same attention from the, the gatekeepers because you didn't have that that class access
1: to be clear Um, when I'm thinking about my like web series trajectory (laughs) I'm like honestly less imagining like Issa Rae Broad City folks and more thinking about like the tiny period of time that like CISO existed or like Go90 existed you know Mm -hmm. like where what and even the like you know half an hour that Quibi was open like a lot of the Quibi people who were not like regular hollywood people were like youtubers and people who had web series and who had like made a name for themselves in digital first spaces and you know obviously quippy died immediately but like a lot of people got a lot of like snapchat originals was a thing for a while and technically Mm -hmm. still might be you know what i mean and like i know a lot of those creators while they don't have traditional careers at least like have footholds and credits and got paid for their work at some point. Um, sure, yeah. But also, like, those ended too. So that's why I'm like, two or three years ago, I would have had at least more credits and, I don't know, maybe more connections. Yeah. This is all speculative yeah. and nonsense. Um,
0: but It's you know. funny, actually. It's funny because we released Kelsey, our web, our web series, me and Kelsey Robert, um, in 2013, originally um, on blip.tv, which was, like, mm-hmm. a short-lived... Platform and they were ad-based and they had really good <laughs> ad revenue and we on our web series, you know, in like the first I would say three months that it, it was around that we were on it because we were on the tail end of it before it was bought by YouTube and then basically buried. Um, we made like 900 bucks oh, nice. on on episodes in three months and that's like a lot considering that we only I mean we had at that point, maybe a 100,000 views, not even probably, but close to. And we made the whole series on five grand. And so it was like not breaking even, but it was something. And then like, we moved over to YouTube, which is also ad based. And we also had, you know, almost a 100,000 views and haven't seen a dime, you know, and so it's like a very different had we been on had we maybe like two years earlier gotten on Blib TV and had that ad revenue going for three years, it would have been a different story. So yeah, like I, I do see your point in that, in that regard. But also
1: how depressing is it that we're nostalgic for having a like two year career, even acknowledging that <laughs> it would still be over now? Like, hey, you know? Hollywood, it's fucking bleak right now. Get your shit together. <laughs> There are yeah. people who want to tell <laughs> cool start. It's cool stories, and we we will take any scrap, make a short form comedy website that'll <laughs> last two years, and I will be thrilled. Where is my <laughs> MTV? Other, where is <laughs> IFC's comedy crib? Like I, I know truly so many of these fucking websites that just like don't exist or barely exist anymore. I'm like, this is such useless knowledge. I'm furious.
0: <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's funny, random little thing on my mind uh this week this coming week is the 10-year anniversary of shooting my first feature summit oh, and so wow. I've sort of been like doing a lot of kind of reflecting on a decade a decade of this and how much I learned and uh how much has changed like so little has changed in some ways but then so much has changed about I guess like where I saw myself and where I see myself and in some ways, I'm like, you know, I think about the things that I've been really annoyed with—not no- annoyed, but I guess frustrated with—in this development process that I've been in with my with my new feature that I'm hoping we'll go through. But I think about like 10 years ago, that Christina Rea would have been like, "Holy shit! Like you're having meetings with these people. Like these people are reading your script." Um, and so I'm trying to like live in that, I guess, like have the even though. Yeah, even though it's been frustrating in me now, it's like it might not even end up being anything. Like it could just live in this limbo and then that's it. Like something very too similar comes out and it just gets shelved and all that stuff is frustrating and scary. And I'm trying to live in like what I just said, the sort of ass version of me would be so excited about getting to this point. But also just trying to, like, ex- have it be a learning experience and a growing experience regardless. Um, because, yeah, the industry is, is like, so shit and so unpredictable. And but so much can change so quickly, too. So so you just don't, re- you never really know. So I guess I'm just trying to, like, appreciate the little things as I've got them.
1: I think that's that's a good place to start the year at the very least, you know, there's not much in our control, but what we can control is trying to keep things in perspective, not take things for granted and, uh, continue to fall, chase the muse wherever it will take us. So, um, I mean, that's, that's kind of all I had. I, oh, I also wanted to mention that Sherlock Holmes is fully in the pul- public domain. Uh, so <laughs> that's relevant <laughs> to not that many people, but Hey, maybe you didn't hear yet. Uh, Sherlock Holmes can be whatever you want him to be sweet little boy um and the and the Doyle estate can't be like Sherlock Holmes actually sucks and hates women you can't write that he likes women that was a later characterization it's like any characterization's (laughs) cool now baby um (laughs) yeah I'm not doing anything with Sherlock Holmes I just uh, that's been I've I've I saw that recently and I was like oh that's nice that's good to know maybe someday
0: (laughs) that is good to know
1: uh hashtag Sherlock Holmes loves women um anything else that you want to talk about in this very first kind of chaotic episode of the year before we get into uh Ezra's interview
0: I don't think so but we should mention that Ezra's not going to be our editor anymore I guess that's (laughs) true yeah that that, that's one of the
1: reasons why I mean we've been trying to interview Ezra since like last year um I think it was probably good that we waited until now because he's in post-production for a really cool film um and he wouldn't have and I think
0: he he never wanted to be on because he never wanted to have to edit his own voice. That's true too.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, uh, but as we've been going down to a single episode, a season, uh, we, we are unfortunately couldn't continue to also justify having an editor that was separate from Christina and I. So for the foreseeable future, it's once again, a, a a two-hander here on the booby pod. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. But so yeah, (laughs) new year and, uh, let's talk to Ezra yeah <laughs>
1: three two one perfect
2: <laughs> oh I know the clap I know the clap
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm intimately familiar with the clap yes uh gross <laughs> welcome Ezra yeah welcome
2: thank you thank you I'm very excited to be here on the other side
1: <laughs> the We're other side excited excited to have, have you. you
2: I know I, I'm like, yes, I made so- it
1: <laughs> finally. You've clawed your way up. We've been like, no, Ezra, you can't be on the podcast before.
2: Exactly. Truly
1: been horrible. But you finally <laughs> earned it. So why don't mm-hmm. you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? If uh, if we were at a networking event and you were introducing yourself, uh, uh, what would you say?
2: God, a networking event. <laughs> Yeah, immediately
1: putting you into like the most traumatic, like, yeah, trauma. I'm like, last time
2: I went to a networking event, I was like hiding in the corner. I'm like, okay, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Um, All right, yeah, so I'm Ezra Lee. Um, I was uh, editing this podcast, Breaking Out and Breaking In, for the last couple seasons. Um, I'm an LA based artist, um, primarily focused on acting and filmmaking. Um, I would say I'm newly wearing the writer's hat. Um, that came from the um, a short that I've been working on, which we can get into in a little bit. But, um, you know, I, it's hard because, like, people, all my friends are like, you're a writer. And I'm like, I mean, I'd like <laughs> to think so. But I have 10 pages to show, and that's it. Um sure. So, you know, I've just been, I think trying to find ways to fulfill my creative appetite Um, and writing has started to started to become one of those that has like really filled that void especially when with acting it's just like audition 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 nothing happens Um, and this feels like I have more agency Um, but yeah I I went to college here in Los Angeles I'm in LA Um, and I graduated in 20 18, which is also almost now five years ago. Um, And then I moved to New York for a couple of years. And then the pandemic hit, which we all know about. Um, (laughs) And then I ended up coming...
1: Famously over pandemic.
2: Right, exactly. (laughs) Um, And then I came back to California. um, And I've been back in LA since last October. So just, you know, a year and some change.
1: Okay, cool. What did you study in college? (sighs)
2: So... I was originally a theater major um, and sure. I did not like the program. Um, my school was really interesting because I had like a BFA program and then a BA program and like I opted to like I wanted to do the BA program. Um, but it just wasn't what I had imagined. Um, so I was actually gonna like, I, tr- I was gonna transfer to NYU. But then that was just so goddamn expensive. And okay. I couldn't rationalize a theater degree and take on that much debt. Um, so I ended up taking a gap year. And during that gap year, I was like, fuck acting. I am not going to be an actor. <laughs> this is stupid. It's indulgent. What am I doing for the world? Um, and I, at the time, got really into like the idea of journalism. The idea of journalism. Um, sure. So when I got back to school... I uh, was like, I'm going to go into journalism, blah, 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 blah. I took Journalism 101, and I fucking hated it. It was terrible. (laughs) And, like, my school was, like, the school that I went to was, like, very, like, traditional journalism route. So it's, like, you do this, and then you go to, you know, like, middle of nowhere for seven years to then maybe go to, like, Dallas to then in 20 years get to New York. And I'm like, that sounds fucking awful. Like, I, no, thank you. Um, so I ended up actually, uh, just falling into communication because it was through the same school and I am so grateful that I did. Um, because I know communication can get a lot of like shit for being like the easy major, but I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's what you make it. And once I like discovered that I actually had an interest in it, I really like threw myself into the studies Um, specifically focusing on representation in the media and the arts Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really interesting because at that time I had like I had quit acting I was like I don't want to do this Um, or like even like film make well but like Hollywood the industry I was like this is too much Um, but then with communication I I took um, a couple classes with this professor and it really kind of like made me think about stories in a different way and the impact that it has and I was like wow stories are important. They do matter. (laughs) They can actually change things. Um, and I'm, I'm mixed race. I'm half Chinese, half Jewish and queer. And I think I got to really examine my identity and how that kind of is reflected in the media and what we see and realize that it's not really reflected. And that kind of Mm -hmm. sparked something within me. And, um, I was like, wow, I, I, I do want to be a storyteller. And it kind of just somehow, like, you know, little things here and there. The world kind of like nudged me back into acting and filmmaking. And here I am doing it, <laughs> trying to do it.
1: Here um, you are. Yeah. So, so you were, you were uh, alluding earlier to a project recently that you've been working on. So can you tell us about what that project is and what its current status is?
2: Yes, so um, you both know about this project, and you guys were very helpful with um, this project because I had done a fundraising campaign via Seed and Spark um, and got some great advice from you and my other friend Zev, who we all you guys know, um,
1: friend of the pod, Zev, always. friend of the
2: pod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually how we all got connected originally.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Zev, Zev uh, recommended you, and yeah, Zev yeah. was the reason we decided to have a podcast because for <laughs> for like, I'll listen to you talk.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, um, how it started was I took a playwriting course about a year and a half ago um, through East West Players, which is this amazing Asian American theater in Los Angeles. And I was starting to write this like kind of solo show. Um, and when it ended, it was just more of this like idea of a character and a story that I then kind of translated into a screenplay, a short film and um it's so i actually have changed the title so it was originally called x it is now called the variable but um it uh follows x that's the character an ethnically ambiguous actor who has to take on some outlandish adjustments during a casting session before they finally try it his way and the outlandish adjustments are him having to change his ethnicity on a dime um so it's like it's silly I think it it tackles some serious stuff, but, like, more, like, through, like, a a silly lens. Um, And it it alternates between two worlds, that of the script he's auditioning for, and then the literal casting room. Um, So it kind of goes back and forth. Um, I launched the crowdfunding campaign, and I... Couldn't have done it without you two, and I fucking hated it, and I will never do it again (laughs) in my life. It was terrible. For a month, I was not a human. Um, And I wasn't even, I mean, my goal was 15K, which I reached, um, which was amazing. Um, And I know that 15K is a feasible amount, but it's still a lot of work. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was a weird month. It was just like, I I mean, I I felt like it was my full-time job. Um, and yeah. just making sure everything is just, you know, I, I felt so, I had to be so shameless on the internet and I hate that. Uh-huh. I felt yeah. weird and like, I felt dirty <laughs> and I had to just push through that. But, um, as much as I hated it and will never do it again, cause it was like one of the worst experiences. It was also one of the most fulfilling <laughs> experiences. Yeah. You know? Like, I am so proud that I was able to accomplish that. And and like, I don't say that lightly. It wasn't an easy task and um, it was really cool to see people come together and, like, people came out of the woodworks to donate. I had people from, like, high school that I hadn't seen in, like, a decade be like, oh my god, I saw blah 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 blah. I was like, you did? <laughs> Sick. Thank you. Like, cool. Um, yeah, so I did the um, uh, campaign and then Um, then the next nightmare was, uh, scheduling. So one of my actors is in an HBO show. So we basically had to get producer approval from that. And that was just a back and forth for a long time. And, and then my DP was also New York based. So I had to fly and, and, uh, that actor is New York based. So I had to like figure out a time when I could fly those two people out based on that HBO show schedule and we ended up being able to slot the time because they get a week off for the Emmys.
0: Ooh. So I was like sick.
2: And <laughs> the reason he was able to come was because he wasn't nominated, so he wasn't invited.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <So the
1: Emmy. laughs>
2: I know. Weird I like, silver well, linings. Exactly. I was like, all right. I'm like, ooh, sorry, but I was so happy because like now you can be microphone. <laughs> um but yeah, that was great, um, and it was it was just a three day shoot. Uh, it was I so I've done one short film with our friend of the pod Zeb, um, and that was much more of like an educational experience. I feel like uh, just to learn more about indie production, um, co writing, co directing. Also, it was much more the first short film was, was called Reasons to Stay. Um, was much more of like Zeb's story, and then I kind of came on to help tell it. Um, But this film, The Variable, is very much, like, my story, my baby, my passion project. Um, And it was really interesting, so, like, I think about a week before going into, like, actual production, um, my DP had flown out, and we were just going over stuff, and, like, we, it was messy, you know? And I was like, I don't think I want to direct Um, And then when we got to set, I don't know, it just like, it all kind of just fell into place and it was like a magical experience. Um, And it was, so the first day of shooting, it was in the casting room and basically, uh, they're all like on one side of the room and then I'm on the other side of the room. And because of that, I actually, we actually filmed coverage of all the other actors for the first half of the day before I was even on camera. So I actually just direct, I mean, I was like saying my lines, but I was really just directing for the first half of the day and it was really exhilarating. And it actually, I was like, wait, I love this. This is so cool. This is so fun. Um, but yeah, and then, and then we had two overnights and that was, that was a long, long weekend. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we are in post-production. I actually just met with my editor yesterday and we have a first... Rough cut with director's notes that I'm actually going to start sending out this coming week, which I might send to you guys and get notes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely
0: do, do. Yeah, um, we'd love to. I'm excited to see it because I read the script, so I uh, yeah. and I love. I think Bree and I both love things that tackle big subjects, but in silly, fun ways. I think that's very up our alley in general. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited. Thank thank you, yeah, thank no,
1: definitely. You. So with this like hellish process, uh, which I think every film is, even the films that like we have the most fun on are a little bit like being in hell. Um, <laughs> I'm curious if you can impart any sort of like advice on uh, both what you learned through your crowdfunding and also through your uh, production, like especially because these are both your first times doing it. So like if you were talking to you a year ago, what would you tell yourself about crowdfunding and what would you tell yourself about production?
2: Yeah, I would say, I mean, overall, and this is just kind of corny, but like, do not give up. Number one, Um, I would say specifically with crowdfunding, you know, I was just talking earlier about how like those like ugly, shameful feelings of like putting yourself out on the internet, but it was the first time that I used the internet, specifically Instagram and emails, but specifically Instagram as a, a tool An actual tool to help myself. And it was very productive. Like, I wasn't just mindlessly scrolling on Instagram. I was actually using it to acquire funding, and it worked. And that was actually a really interesting experience to be like, like putting away, like, kind of my ego and those feelings of like how I feel. Like, actually, people didn't see me like this, like, beggar for money. People saw me as an artist trying to create work that mattered. And I think it was took me longer to see that, and so I would say like think of it that way to kind of you know uh, change your perspective on how you look at that because that is what it is. You are an artist trying to create something that matters, and you know not all of us have all the resources in the world. <clears throat> Nepo babies, and <laughs> and um, it's an honorable task. It really is. It's it sucks in the moment, but I think also like all the. Best things that are worthwhile are hard. Yeah. Um, production. Make sure you do enough pre-production.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> good advice. Was there like a, an aspect of it that you're like, I wish I had thought of this two days ago? Like what what was the pre-production that was lacking?
2: Yeah, I will say, so the first day of shooting was Arguably the smoothest. Um, it was also a day shoot, it, but it was interesting because it was the most actors and the most coverage Basically, like when my DP arrived, we were making a shot list and creating times and shooting schedule And like we were like we were like we had to scrap like half of our shots we're, like, there's no way and then we ended up getting every single shot that we wanted the first day huh. so that was great but the second day so basically um In the other, like, in the world of the script, it's kind of this, like, more, like, sexy, thriller-esque bond, but, like, kind of, like, a parody. Um, But it's, like, in this, like, fancy loft. So we were shooting at this, like, lofted apartment in downtown L.A. One, it was just, like, my producer's friend who was letting us use the space, but we didn't get any, like, permission from, like, the building, and we had to shoot in the hallway. So Um, it was just a little hectic, but the first thing that we shot was this very slight fight choreography slash intimacy choreography, which I did have an intimacy coordinator, which was super important for me because, you know, I was the actor and director, and I I wanted to make sure there wasn't this weird hierarchy uh, for the other actor, and I wanted to make sure that uh, the other actor felt very comfortable. But, um, due to scheduling, I also had recast. uh, There's this character named The Leading Man that's kind of like Uh, the foil of my character and I had to recast him about like a week or two before production so we didn't have time for rehearsals that much Um, but for the fight and intimacy portion we had done nothing so I basically was like can you get there an hour early we're gonna work on stuff but like you know the crew's setting up and it's obviously you know I wasn't sure if he wanted a close set for the intimacy, it was just like a, it was a kiss, but once again I just wanted to make sure everyone felt comfortable. Um, but we are just like, we're running behind schedule, we're coming up with the choreography on the fly with the DP, and this was like the first, the start of shooting in this new location, and it was just like, I thought, I was like, I'm gonna be at my breaking point soon, because we're behind schedule, we're not getting the shots that we need, and then we just did, you know? Like it just happened. Yeah. Um, but I do think like that would have been something that I really I really wanted to have an actual like proper rehearsal or two to just like have the choreography down, have the beats down, have the moments down um, so that we weren't doing it on the fly. Um, fortunately, it worked out enough, but I think pre-production is still something that I need to work on. Uh, just like have like a more, have such an like bulletproof plan and, like, a contingency for every single thing as well, so that when that happens, because you know it's gonna happen, you know exactly what you're gonna do. Yeah. Because so I did not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think that's I'm- also just like growing pains, right? You're so early on, it's your first big project that's your baby. And part of getting better and, and learning for next time is making mistakes like that. Because totally. it's hard to predict what it's going to feel like in the moment when you haven't had that role before.
2: Totally, yeah. Yeah. And it was also just, like, funny because, once again, acting and directing... Oh, I also will not act, direct, and write
1: together Mm. at the same time. Oh, yeah. Total nightmare scenario. Absolutely (laughs) nightmare scenario. I have done that, too, and immediately it was like, fuck this, never again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it was fun-ish, but, like... I just remember, like, when we'd be, like, because, like, I would, I would yell cut or I would assign someone to yell cut, um, but there's, I, there's, like, all these bloopers of me where I'm just, like, I, I also wore some crazy costumes, so I'm just, like, sitting in, like, crazy costume. I do something, and I'm just, like, sitting, I'm, like, all right, let's take it back, reset, or cut, blah, 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 and then it's just, like, back into character, and it's, like, I feel like part <laughs> of my acting could have been um, affected by me kind of straddling too many things, which was something to learn.
1: Totally. Yeah. And hopefully you will share some of those images with us so that we can put them out <laughs> when we put this episode out. Mm. <laughs> I, would, I would love to see a still of you in a crazy costume, like right before you yes. go back into camera, <laughs> to, into character.
2: Yeah, totally, totally.
1: Um. So... I, I think we're we're about wrapping up. So I'm just curious about your media consumption, um, maybe to recommend some stuff to other people. So what is your either favorite movie and TV show or a recent movie and TV show that you've really enjoyed?
2: Okay. That's a tough question. <laughs> I watch... I consume so much media. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm, okay, a couple... Sh- I'm going to say a few things. I'll say a few sure. things. That's great. Okay, so I will say... Um, I think one of my all-time, all-time favorite shows is Fleabag. Like, that is up there, like, like yeah. canon for me. Oh, yeah. Um, Game of Thrones, seasons 1 through 6. 7 and 8 was where they really fucked up. Um, <laughs> uh, I re- Okay, two shows that I watched in the past year that I really, really liked. Um, did you guys hear of 1899?
1: I've heard of it, and I don't know anything about it, other than just, Same. like, random screenshots I see on Tumblr.
2: It Did you ever watch Dark?
1: Mm-mm. So Dark is a
2: German show made by this uh, these partners, and then they made 1899. 1899, I'm so pissed because Netflix is not renewing it for a second season. It was phenomenal. It was basically just about uh, uh, immigrants traveling from Europe to America on a big ship uh, in 1899, and then mysterious stuff happens. Um, so that was amazing, and I'm sad that they're not renewing it. And then also... Young Royals. Have you seen Young I haven't Royals? I have not seen that. Either. No. It's like <laughs> high school, and I normally hate high school shows, but it's so good. These are all foreign shows. Um, that one's a Swedish show. I love foreign media. Actually,
1: mm.
2: I consume that a lot. Okay. Movies. Um, okay, I did just watch Top Gun Maverick, and it was really good. And I just watched I Matilda, <laughs> Matilda the Musical last night, and that was phenomenal. It was I so
0: cute. I
1: haven't watched that yet. Oh, it was cool. so cute. I mean, Matilda is just like one of the all-time great just stories, Yeah. So every, every adaptation I have seen of it has been excellent. It's yeah, it's
2: good to know. It's nice to have a happy ending. <laughs> I
1: agree, I agree. Yeah. Well, Ezra, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being our, our stalwart editor yeah. for, <laughs> for our last two seasons and editing out all of the coughs and the whispered, sorry, Ezra, every yeah. time <laughs> <laughs> something happens. Of course.
0: Yes, thank you. Um, What's next for you, and where can people find you?
2: Yeah, um, thank you for uh, having me. Uh, So right now we're in post-production. I'm definitely trying to get my short, the variable, finished sooner rather than later to try and get it on the festival circuit. Um, As I said, I'm trying to wear my writer hat more, so I am working kind of working <laughs> on, like, a pilot, you know, just, like, trying to do more of that. Um, and then uh, just auditioning. But, uh, yeah, so my, uh, probably Instagram's best for me. My Instagram is ezra.lee, E-Z-R-A dot L-I. Pretty simple.
1: Cool. Great. Well, we will absolutely have that in our episode notes. And thanks again, Ezra, for joining yeah, us today. thank you.
2: Of course. Thank you guys so much. And happy new year.
1: Happy new year.
0: Happy new year. Thanks so much to Kelsey Rauber for our theme music, Kaylee Brown for our podcast art, and to all of you for listening. Links to learn more about them and our guests are in our episode description. And thank you
1: to our Booby VIPs who are our $10 supporters on Patreon. They are Anthony Epp, Brandi Nicole Payne, Kelsey Rauber, and Norman Steinberg. If you want your name on that list and or you want to have access to all of our bonus resources related to each and every podcast episode we post for free, you can subscribe for as little as $3 to our Patreon at patreon.com slash breakingoutpod.